This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. But being for everyone is a very dangerous brand position. That's why I just say kind of, I make sure the brand is ageless. If you read our copy, if you look at our packaging, it's universally liked. That's our test. Does does my mom think it looks good? Does my kid think it looks good? Does our copy make everyone smile? We're really trying to be a crowd pleaser. And so timeless is what a brand is like a Coca-Cola when you're around forever. Iconic. That's around forever. We we like we strive to get to those We'd places. We'd love to go from ageless to timeless. This was Margaret and Ian Wishingrad, who come from the advertising industry and took a plunge into the food business. Three Wishes is their brand of Better For You cereal, and it wants to be liked and purchased by literally everyone from young to old. How they set the brand up to be on its way of accomplishing just that, what works and what hasn't, and why the proof is in the cereal, <laughs> is what we talk about in this insightful conversation with a keen focus on brand building as well as product marketing. Without further ado, over to my inspiring conversation with Margaret and Ian of Three Wishes. Welcome to the show, Margaret and Ian. Hi, how are you doing? It's so good to have both of you on. Ian, I know you come from, from advertising and you hosted a podcast for Adweek that, that sounds like it is not too different from, from this one as far as talking to founders about their brands. But do you both come from the creative fields and how did you end up running the Healthier For You cereal brand, Three Wishes? Sure. Um, yeah. So um, Margaret and I um, have been working together pretty much since we started dating or soon thereafter. Um, and yeah, I've been doing kind of marketing and advertising since I was a teenager. I kind of enjoy it. It's, um, it's, it's filmmaking for people with attention deficit disorder and, um, <laughs> and Margaret's been kind of at work working since she's been a uh, 13 years old. And so, um, we just enjoy doing things together and bring different sets of skills to the table. Margaret has a really good design aesthetic. And really, if you think about advertising as three parts strategy, kind of copy and ideas and then design. Uh, Margaret plays more like the art director, designer role aesthetics, and I'm a little bit more idea and copy driven. And I think that makes us work as a couple as well. We have uh, very complementary skill sets. So where Ian thinks copy, I'm his, I'm his art director, other half. That, that, sounds, that sounds like it makes a lot of sense. Now, how, how does cereal come into the play? Um, so we love to eat, so that usually helps, but it really started <laughs> from our now five and a half year old, but when he was six months old and started to eat little finger foods, one of those recommendations was cereal. And I think naturally as we've built brands for other people and we've been working in the brand space for so long, we always had a little bit of a desire to have our own brand, but it wasn't until we had the idea that really started this whole you know world of world of wishes and once ellis started to eat cereal and i realized there wasn't anything out there that's the moment when i turned to ian that was my aha light bulb was holy cow this entire category is really just sugar and grains and there's nothing for myself to consume as a healthy adult and there wasn't anything to feed my kiddo and that was kind of the very beginning and what a fun what a fun uh category to quote unquote disrupt because it seems like it's been owned by the same like three four conglomerates and they've all been doing the exact same product with the exact same marketing for a long time 
Yeah, I totally agree. That's when she said it, that's what lit up. I kind of, I have a weird brain where I would not, I'm not really the guy that thinks about, oh, let's do a serial or whatnot. In our, when we were kind of conceiving this, this was a few years after all these categories that I never thought would be disrupted were disrupted. Um, you know, Casper comes out and does a better mattress and Warby does a better glasses and Dollar Shave Club and Harry's does a better razor. And you just keep going, wow. Um, but I didn't, I'm not, I don't think like that. So when she said, um, cereal, I'm like, oh, that's a big one. It was, you knew it fit the same formula as all these other categories where it's old incumbents that have, you know, maybe gotten a little lazy and there's room to disrupt. So it was very exciting. Well, and it's interesting because a lot of these brands that you, that you mentioned, the question is too, are they better or are they just different and better at branding and marketing? <laughs> right. And it's like, well, I think that's, I think that's a case by case. I think you yeah. can't, you can't cast a broad net here. Um, for us, we definitely had, we are incredibly different. I mean, we're technically not even a cereal. If you look up the definition of a cereal, it's a grain and we are grain free. Um, so we are, we have totally changed the game in that respect and also knew that ultimately if you're going to win in this category, your packaging could be cute. Your growth strategy could be great. You could try to find an arbitrage online. None of these things we did by the way. Um, but my point was ultimately when you eat a food, it has to be incredible. And so we really made sure that our food is incredible more than anything else. And I can't wait to taste it, and I will. I wanted to do it before the show, but then life came in the way. But 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 I will because I'm actually I'm actually looking for something like that. But you you camouflaged it as a cereal, which which like you said, it technically isn't, but it seemed to be perfectly fitting into that category. How how much of that? was what what was a strategy of like let's call ourselves a cereal let's play in cereal even though we're technically not yeah so i mean it quacks like a duck and it looks like a duck so for us <laughs> it, it was a duck um but it, it is serious it is serious yeah. right it so the biggest thing for us was we wanted to change the makeup of what the actual product was made. So we removed the grains and we brought in these plant-based proteins. So you actually had some nutrition in your morning, which is probably something someone should do. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, it was let's recreate all of the things that were super familiar, but change the core. So packaging, it was in a box the same way you knew that cereal comes in a box. The shape is an O, just like all the other O cereals that you're super familiar with. And especially when you're looking at the demographic that we went out to, to kind of get this product to, to talk to was how do we get kids, families, adults? So it had it to feel really familiar from what it looked like visually. And then on the taste side, we really worked hard on making sure it tasted like the cereals you know and love. So we have a cinnamon that tastes like your cinnamon toast crunch, for example, or a honey to give you that honey nut Cheerio type flavor. So we hmm. wanted to kind of play on all of the classics and change that one really important thing, which was nutrition and macros. But everything else we wanted to feel super familiar because I think cereal is one of those very nostalgic, um, warm, enjoyable types of foods. I love that. And I would have asked you that next, right? Because the cereal container designs and the marketing is 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 also happy and colorful like all the other cereal brands. And that that you did um uh, very, very purposefully. Uh that, that 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 is part of the strategy. And obviously playing the health card uh in, in in the space could have could have backfired. And like this, it still feels like this is this is this is a warm brand. It's it's a brand that's fun, it's something that you want to have in the morning, and it's not like hey, we're going to get you on the health trip. It doesn't have that that vibe at all, your brand, even though it is much better for you and completely different um, as, as far as anything else in the cereal world is. 
Yes. And since this is a branding show, I'll get into some of the real nitty gritty of the strategy. Thank you. We never, <laughs> we never, we never wanted to, nor thought it was a smart move to try to take on the legacy dessert cereals that are just basically, you know, sugar and corn or sugar and rice or sugar and oat. We would never be able to compete with them on straight taste because you just can't and the nutrition and the price. What we did do though, is there's always a section of this, of this, the store that's the healthier cereals or what people believe to be the healthier cereals. And they look more natural and they have that cardboard color and mm -hmm. there's something farms and something this and something mills. Um, and so what we wanted to do there was walk a very fine line, which reflected in our color palette, which reflected in a lot of things was we wanted to look like the fun, tasty, healthy cereal in that category, but we didn't want to go too extreme where we look junky because when you do walk the aisles, and you haven't heard of a brand before, moms in general, I'll call it mom, but it's anyone who shops that aisle, um, you make a lot of judgment just based on what your eye tells you. And so it was a very tough balance to look fun, different, and healthy. It was very important to look healthy, but we didn't want to look like all the other cereals. So it was a very nuanced exercise to get to where we are with the packaging. And how much, I think that's fascinating, and how much, how much, um, how much can you actually tell a store or a chain to carry your product in a certain aisle at a certain placement because for you strategically that's where you want to be so we really and this i guess goes to you know launch strategy and how we wanted to to create that consumer path to purchase in store it was definitely let's launch and build a brand where we know it's set up for some real success and where we know the consumer is looking for a product just like this so we initially launched in more of the natural stores so the whole foods mm -hmm. the sprouts of the world to make sure and so that's the only aisle right it's a healthy store so your cereal aisle is your your entire aisle and then as you look into some of the more conventional sets they, we know that we would fall by just what the macros and ingredients are. We would fall into that slightly more healthy set. So that was, we knew that that's where we would play to, to begin with. But, you know, just to, the one thing that, uh, you know, go back on Ian's piece of when we carefully crafted it, we wanted to make sure we didn't create a character. We wanted to make sure we didn't tell you how to consume it. So we didn't do milk or we didn't do a bowl or a spoon. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of little intentional details um, in, and how we wanted the customer to perceive the product and how we wanted them to discover the product as well. There's a really good, a really important trick is that you want to look novel yet familiar. And that is a very um, tough line to toe. But if you look at the successful brands, at least in our industry, yeah, liquor, uh, other categories, you're willing to try crazy things for a night, but we want to be something that people consume on a daily basis. So you can't be that radical. And I, uh, these, none of these are firm rules. I'm sure there are people that will be very radical. <laughs> um, but what we find is people like, okay, it's a box of cereal. It's O's. Everything about it's familiar, but I could also distinctly see something that's different. That feels to be a very winning formula, at least in the path that we've chosen to grow and build the brand. That's super smart. Yeah. It's like, it's like fitting in yet standing out. Right? Yeah. And, and it's such yeah. a fine, it's such a fine line that you're writing really, really well. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how that, how that was, how that was crafted. And the, the two of you plus your son, Alice, um, are known amongst friends, or at least so I read on the website as the three wishes. I guess, I guess now it's four wishes, right? Because you're, it's the four of it you is. now. It is four of us now. Rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's always like, so you can make it four wishes. I'm like, no one calls it four wishes. I might at some point have to have, you know, third kid and and then that becomes the three wishes. 
wishes, but yeah. <laughs> but but is yeah. it the idea of the three wishes, right? The three of you, as you were when 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 the when the product launched, the brand launched. Um, is that the beginning and the end of the serial brand name? Because knowing how strategic you are, I have a feeling there's more to it that the three wishes actually most probably go to like product attributes that you were seeking in a yeah. you know. Tell tell us a little more about the name because it's it's interesting. By the way, the name story is a really good long story. Let's let's first tell the brand double entendre and then Neo. So um, the reason we're called Three Wishes is twofold. Uh, The truth is there are high high protein cereals. There are low sugar cereals. There's like ungrain free cereal. Things alone were not what interested us. What we found was if you can make a high protein and low sugar, the way to make a high protein, low sugar cereal, by way of making high protein and low sugar, you need to be grain free. Grains are not rich in protein. Or you're fortifying it or, right. or utilizing something that you may not want to actually be putting into your body. So the the really it was a happy marriage of those three things. And those were the three things that we really felt the category needed some change in. And, so it's more protein, yep. less sugar, gluten, and grain free. Those are the three wishes for the product. Um, and then three wishes obviously worked with our last name, Margaret Ian and Ellis Wishingrad. And I must give all credit, honestly, um, <laughs> as someone who does branding and, and usually is the probably the one solving it for the clients on both sides. The packaging design was Margaret. She found that inspiration. I remember exactly where we were when she was mood boarding. <laughs> and I remember exactly where we were right outside our wedding venue. We got married outside of the Central Park Boathouse. We got stumped because we had a name we were going to launch with that had a trademark issue. So we were really getting far along with everything, launch strategy, about to fundraise, branding, and then we had to go back to zero. We were very stumped. And then when she said three wishes, I was like, oh, there's no way we well, can get so that. Well, so this was actually really fun. So we, <laughs> we as marketers, I always talk about it. I'm like, we were shoemakers without shoes. This is how it felt once that name trademark <laughs> situation happened. And so we take Ellis and we went, for a walk in our old neighborhood, which was you know, near the park. And we walked to the Central Park Boathouse. We sat outside, Ellis was snacking on something. We're both looking at each other and we're like, "Ugh, what are we gonna name this thing? Why is this so difficult? And it was driving us nuts. And I was scrolling through my own Instagram for inspiration. I don't know why, but I was. And when I was pregnant with Ellis, I didn't share with anybody super superstitious about it. And when I had Ellis, I took a picture of his hand next to my necklace that said wish. And the hashtag I used was three wishes. Because now (laughs) three of us. And I turned to Ian. I remember that I could like, I have this, this still photo in my head of this moment. And I turned to Ian and I'm like, okay, crazy, but what if it was three wishes? Because we have three wishes, it's the three wishes. He was like, Margaret, there's no way on earth that's available. He quickly goes on his phone to USPTO.gov to see if the, the trademark was open. He looks it up, he's like, oh my God, it's open. Like we ran home from the park to go and <laughs> apply for the trademark. Cause we're like, this is too perfect. It's too perfect. Um, and that was, it was, it was like meant to be. But, 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 but then the next thing is you're like, well, what happens when you go to three wishes.com? And I'm sure you realized what happens. It's like, it's like this, this lingerie website that's NSFW and like, do you care or does it really not matter this day and age? Um, it doesn't matter because people would ever, I, I, people Google three wishes cereal. And I actually wound up working my way to the owners of the website because there are three wishes, but the number three, and I said, would you let me buy three wishes? And they right. said, no. So once they literally said no to me, it was fine. But no, it's been as absolutely no issue for us. And I'm sure you've seen 
how Google works these days. But if you're willing to buy your keywords, uh, when you go to search something, they'll make sure that sponsored link that takes you to the right website <laughs> goes there. And we yeah. don't plan on making any grain-free edible underwear at the moment. So I think we're in, I think. <laughs> hey, I think never say never, four wishes, you know. Um, yeah. There's a whole brand that it could be. Um, I know the only reason why I looked at it because I was, I you know, I, we do naming, you know, for, for a living. And so obviously when it was three wishes cereal, I'm like, I wonder what three wishes is, right? And so I totally agree. It is absolutely not that important anymore. And 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 I saw it. No one else would ever see it besides everyone on the show now. Sorry. Don't go there. Just don't go there. It's fine. Three wishes cereal.com. Um, let's talk, let's talk social a little bit. Um having having a few brands come together to host a giveaway to gain followers. Um, is it I, I know you've done it recently. Is it is it great ROI or is it a waste of resources or how how do you how do you see those campaigns? Uh, the exposure is relatively small, right? You're giving away like, a small amount of your product in exchange for borrowing someone else's audience, essentially, right? Um, so I think it's always about which brands you're you're doing this giveaway together with. So if it's like-minded brands with a similar mission or product offering, it makes sense because you're more likely to have a great consumer that is following the other brands that now have given your brand some eyeballs. So I usually think those are great. And then just overall, our our thoughts on social, I think, and I, it's obviously very platform specific, but Instagram is a great example as we're talking about giveaways. That's a platform where I think people have lost some trust when it's, you know, a paid or a sponsored type influencer or just you know advertisement mm -hmm. so we've really looked at instagram as a more organic thing and so we'll do some send outs to some different influencers um but for us nothing is a better endorsement than someone going i'm not paid to tell you this but this is really good that yeah. for us converts better than someone going hey this company paid me some money and here i am talking about it so that's that's been our approach is really just growing this brand organically and that's uh, we've kind of done that across different platforms and overall as a brand that's been a strategy we that's really worked well for us well well thankfully because that's what everyone strives for and it's not easy you make it sound easy but it's not easy a lot of work goes into that and i'm gonna play your cards ian from from your i'm with the brand show and and and, and i'm gonna ask you so so after after having launched this brand and and having worked with your customers and, and doing marketing what what marketing and brand building really worked for for three wishes and and how how does the brand or why does the brand resonate what have you learned in the last years well a lot of the same way people don't give me one answer i'm not going to give you one answer and, I, and <laughs> i'm sure there're lots of answers yeah it's <laughs> a big yeah. question <laughs> Um, if you think about the marketing funnel, there's upper funnel and there's lower funnel and there's mid funnel and that kind of goes true to everything. And then people say omni channel and that matters. So I think to Margaret's point is we try to move as fast as organically possible, organically, meaning how much we can afford to spend on marketing and how much we want the brand to be discovered at certain points the same way. So, so a huge part of our marketing is literally our channel strategy. Why are we in this grocery store? Do you want to discover this brand at this store or do you want it to start here and spread from there? There's a very influential, there are some super influential grocery stores, specific stores that that, that are places to, to grow brands. So I'd say the, our lower funnel is doing discounts at shelf and getting end caps of the aisle. That's, that is like 101 brand building for us. Then as Margaret alluded to on social, we send out a lot of just free boxes. We hope people post. If they post, great. If they don't, they don't. But 
that's a nice endorsement for us. And then also we try to fill super top of the funnel um, with a mix of PR and a mix of buzzy marketing tactics that make us relevant in the moment. And then our own channels as well, just making sure we are on our own social channels on our LinkedIn on our LinkedIn pages. And, and you could just kind of, that's it. But it, it, as I say, it's kind of organic. We're not a uh, super backed thing, spending tons and millions online trying to kind of get sales going. We let them grow over time. And I think to Ian's point, when we discuss channel strategy and another thing I look at is maybe the way I discovered perfume when I was younger, you know, when it's, you know, it's exclusive to one store and you discover it there and then you see it at other retailers, it kind of changes your perception of that brand. And I think similarly with our brand, making sure it's in the right places and, you know, this, and I think we think about a specific, let's say this, you know, one consumer, what stores are they in? How do we kind of bombard them in a way with three wishes? So it feels super real and tangible. And so they're seeing it in all of these different stores that they shop at. And for them, it feels like the biggest brand when in reality, it probably, you know, in the scheme of the world is not. So we wanted to make a really big impact on a core group. And then we know from there it spreads. And so, you know, to Ian's point, anything you can do to stand out in store, I think is also really important. Um, and that's really worked well for us. Yeah, that's well said. The perfume is a good analogy. And also people always say influencers. Influencers are not just people. Retailers are influencers. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of your, some people that aren't traditional influencers do influence you. This is a food item. It's not a, you know, piece of clothing. It's not fashion. So yeah, so that's it. And then I'd say a secret, a secret sauce thing is honestly, which is very difficult for me is patience. Time is a, <laughs> time is a factor. I saw my own, so my, my agency has been around for eight years. It is a lot easier for us to get clients in business now than it was the early days. And a lot of it is just, wow, you're, you're still around That's and you're growing. It's the test of time. Yeah. It's the yeah. test of time. Yeah. And that is, and, and we really, I mean, when Margaret said three wishes and we got the trademark, I, I'm not lying to myself. Like, I think Margaret and I might have multiple businesses over our lives, but we are never going to have a brand as kind of stars aligned as Three Wishes. It's good. And we knew we need this one to really last. We don't, we want this thing to really last. And the statistic that Ian mentioned to me a long time ago is that to create a household brand, it takes what, an average of seven years? Seven to 10 years to really, if you're doing what we're doing, like you're going full on yeah. as well as you want, it takes it, it takes like seven to 10 years to even start you know, resonating the way a kind bar or certain things do. Yeah. And we're approaching year three. So you, when you start to understand that there is a little bit of a rules of thumb in this road and, it, and rules of brand building, and then the ones you really love, you're like, wait, Red Bull's been around since the 90s? Like, <laughs> Okay, these things have been around for a long time. So <laughs> yeah. that lets you just kind of exhale a little bit and it turns the anxiety down a little bit because time time needs to happen. It's it's incredibly um, difficult. I I during the pandemic I launched I launched a product brand myself, uh, and actually we went straight back to the drawing board the last couple of months uh, doing R and D again. Over, it is so stressful like for me i feel like if if my if my tribe which right now is very small right if my tribe doesn't hear from my brand for two weeks they think we're dead <laughs> right and it's like no no you're just in the beginning like you barely have a product out but it's 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 extremely it's extremely nerve-wracking and i can i can very much relate to the agency thing right because i've been running an agency for what like 20 20 25 years now or whatever uh you know and it's now that you've done it so long, you don't need the work. The work just comes to you and you can talk to people about not necessarily needing the project or wanting that project. And guess what happens? You get more projects because, you know, word spreads. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So 
I think I think it's a it's it's a nice cushiony place where where you at when you've done something for a long time and it sounds like you're it sounds like three wishes is on on the way on the way to to get there eventually. Um, when I was talking when I asked a question about you know like like what 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 marketing and brand building worked for for three wishes, I, I got fantastic answers um, about a lot of the tactics. I, I I'm also wondering though from an emotional from a voice from a posting kind of point of view like what did you what did you realize over the over the last years what worked for your audience like what are what are some associations that they love making with your brand that that, that are not one to one with this is serial right but like what are, what are some posts or what are some some stories that you tell is it is it a lot about your story about you know like a young family and mm-hmm. like how how do you how do you create content that you feel over time started to actually really work? Yeah, I think what's be, what's worked so nicely for us is the brand Three Wishes is about the Three Wishing Grads. And I think more than anything, consumers love buying from people. They love connecting to someone. So we've just brought who we are that becomes the tone of our brand. We didn't do, and it's so funny because for for clients in the past on the agency side, you create a whole brand tone and all these, the voice and the tone is Margaret Ian and Ellis sometimes. Um, but it, No, it's modified. It's very, it's very sterilized. We speak, <laughs> we speak a lot blunter than our brand. We no, definitely- but it's really just like fun and light. <laughs> I think that's what, you know, we're big personalities and we love to bring, you know, our packaging is kind of really fun and who we are. So we just try to bring who we are to our consumers. Um, and, you know, hopefully, unfortunately, they love that. And then the same, you know, if you look, we've done really fun little touches on our packaging to create little Easter eggs also to keep people constantly on their toes. So the back of our box changes depending on the flavor. We also started something really fun. And this is just like we were we were doing a team hang and we're all talking about our box and analyzing it. And we realized the bottom of our box where we have the UPC is empty. There's nothing but the UPC. And we're like, we have a piece of real estate we haven't utilized. So we started going down this whole thought of what do we do on the bottom of the box and how do we create more of a consumer engagement and a good touch point. And we started writing these really funny blurbs that pertain to the particular flavor. And then we direct the customer to bottomofbox.com where they go down this fun rabbit hole. And because you, you know, you spent all this time reading and going on the website and engaging with us, we then reward the consumer with a with a discount for all of the time spent. But we're just thinking of constantly, what are these fun little ways that we can have the customer feel connected to us as founders, to, to the brand and the product? And how do we continue bringing them on the inside and making them feel like they've touched the brand in a way, whether it's suggesting a new flavor or where they want to see a soul. So we're just trying to constantly openly communicate with the consumer and making them feel like they're a part of the Wish and Grad family. And isn't it interesting how that changed with the entire D2C, uh, you know, uh, time or movement or or, or whatever, um, where suddenly people are like, wait, uh, when you send the box out to people, you can use every single piece of the box to create a, a certain vibe, right? To set, to set mm-hmm. a moment. And, and, even barcodes, right? Remember like 20 years ago, suddenly someone said, hey, a barcode could actually be more creative. It's like, what? <laughs> so I think I love that when when it's like, we have real estate, let's use it and let, let's create something that gets people deeper into our into our funnel. Um, as you as you worked on the brand and as you saw the brand um, grow and, and and now you've got a couple of SKUs, you, you, you do like limited runs um, over the holidays, 
looking back, what was what was that one big breakthrough moment where you felt like, you know what, we are not really a startup anymore. Like we're kind of like a brand now. People people use three wishes like to use other brand names. Like what was that moment? Like when did you feel was there a specific moment that you can link it to where you feel like, whoa, we're turning into a brand? I still have that moment every day. Um, um, yeah, I, I would say so. There's a few things that come to mind, but um, seeing it on shelf in, in a real display at real grocery stores near us was special. Yeah. Or even yeah. traveling, we'll go to a different city. So yeah, when you see it in your local grocery store, it's like, oh, of course it's here because we're local. And then you go to a completely random city you've never been in and you walk into a store that you didn't even know carried it and you see it on Amazing. shelf. Yeah. You're like, okay, wow, this is trippy. I've been stopped a few times. I like to wear the merchandise. So I wear my Three Wishes hat a lot. <laughs> and I, I got stopped twice, once in Los Angeles, once in an airport. And that was cool. But I'd say, um, but yeah, they I mean, stop. They I, stop I, you and I, they say, "Are you Ian from Three Wishes?" No, no, they don't. They don't know the. Can connection. I have an autograph? Which is kind of cool. It's the it's the exact right amount of recognition. I want the brand to be much bigger than we are, and I love that later we get to say our last name is Wishing Grad, and they go, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah. Um, but I think totally. the thing that the thing that made me feel secure was the real test for us was when. My background's advertising, and when you're doing advertising, you're usually getting engaged by a chief marketing officer, which usually means the company has real budgets, and I'm helping write TV commercials or stuff. That brand is way more mature, way farther in its life cycle. Granted, I've, I've developed packaging and stuff for other brands, but the point was to see that our product, without much support at all, just good packaging in the right store on shelf, and you start getting sales reports every week, and it just keeps moving. Yeah. And yes, we've done things externally to help pull it off shelf, but it's kind of organically working. That was very, those are the numbers I always look at to make sure that we're in a new door, that it's kind of moving on its own. And now, obviously, there's been reputation, and we do other things, but it's really not being overly inflated by anything. It's truly organic. And that is like a really sign of a healthy brand. Super satisfying. Very, very satisfying. Yeah, especially since you know how much money is usually being spent, right? Um, and, and then on the flip side, look, I mean, doing a product is difficult. Doing a food product is 10x difficult. Um, doing a food product from someone who hasn't done a food product before is 100x difficult. This is not easy, right? I mean, you know, it's it's easy to talk about it, you know, like now, but it 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 must have been extremely difficult to get the product made, to launch the product, to get it into stores. Things go wrong, right? Um, I had Stacy of Stacy's Pita Chips on the show, and and she loved that question. She's like, "Oh my God, what went wrong? Where do we start? How long do you have?" Right? And I'm like, "Really?" And it's like, "Yeah, food is difficult." What what, what was what was like a ginormous, or maybe not ginormous, but what was, what was like a big, um, you know, brand fail that you went through that that maybe people don't know about, but it but it's fun to share because you're like, oh my god, like we're doomed. Like, some, did something happen at some point where you felt like, because you know how advertising is too, right? Some things work, some things don't work, but with product, it's like much more difficult. Well, let's just clarify, because your question was a brand fail, and I think I have two brand marketing things I could cite. But if you're talking about product things, that's that's more of a martyr question. So which fail are you talking about? Well, I don't want you to talk about fails for the next 10 minutes, because that would not look good on you. So let, let's talk about the brand I fails. Are, right? So I think yeah. having these businesses has, I mean, one, this isn't our first entrepreneurial journey. So I don't, you have the memory of a fly when you're in this business. I have a fire come up every 20 minutes. There's some, there's a truck that ha like, there's always something happening. Cause you're in the, 
world of getting a product to a shelf to a consumer there's always something happening right so i've just i don't remember any of these things you move on you go really quick and you're like all right i have the next thing i need to tackle and i need to keep going and growing so you don't necessarily think about it um but yeah so stacy's point i mean if i needed to sit here and highlight all the random things that go wrong like there could be a million <laughs> but as long as you get what you need done by the end of the day it's you forget about it um, and then what were you? No, I would say I agree. I mean, there's so there. If you're talking about any like, oh my gosh, pivotal moment, knock on wood, we haven't had it, and and God forbid we don't have one. Absolutely. We've had a bunch of little things. A billboard ran with one word missing. So instead of saying the best tasting, the <laughs> that was best, funny. The That's best, good. The world's the world's best tasting healthy cereal just said the world's best tasting <laughs> cereal. So that was funny. <laughs> uh, I stand by that statement, by the way. Yeah. So we've had we've had like a bunch. Oh, of Oh, that's good. Oh, a, a bunch of little things or we I, I try to react really quickly to things in the news so at one point last summer john oliver has a show on hbo and he yeah. did one of his rants all on about cereal. all about cereal and why is there not a new cereal and i was almost dying when it was running going oh my god is this like a paid thing by one of our competitors is he about to announce a new cereal so i scramble like i've done in a million other kind of stunty last minute news jacking opportunities and i got our cereal truck with my son to pull up to the front door of his studio 24 hours later and drop off a ton of cereal and was hoping that we would have a viral moment and and we, and nothing they didn't even like nothing they i never heard from them the video was really cute though but it didn't go anywhere but Did, that's okay right because i think yeah, the creative yeah. agency side is we've learned also you can come with the, up with a million ideas for a client and 999,000 of them might get killed so yeah. it's okay we've taken none of these things to heart and i think that's what allows us to keep pushing forward is it's like, all right, this is a, it's a, it's a speed bump in the long drive that you have. So keep on going, keep on driving, keep on riding. As long as your tires are attached to the car, you're good. <laughs> That's awesome. I love those stories. Um, if you could, if you could take your entire brand and you put it through a funnel and out comes one or two words, which, which, which I call your brand's DNA, like what is really at the heart of it? Um, you know, like for liquid death, it would be mischief for Evelyn. It would be transparency, radical transparency. Um, you, you, you're very familiar with, with all of, all of, all of these brands and everyone, every brand kind of has something like that. Right. Um, what could it be for three wishes? Ours would be ageless. Huh. Tell us more. Well, everything we did, I mean, 90% of US households, and I don't know the statistic for the world, have a box of cereal. And 90% of households don't have children in them. There's grandparents, there's single people, and there's something really, we're in an environment where everyone is so hyper-targeted and everyone's so segmented. Um, and I hate that. I really like super broad categories like chips and soda and water and just broad American categories. And I think we really wanted to make sure the brand is ageless. Like Liquid Death is awesome and they're kicking butt, but they really have a very strong point of view in an amazing way. And they're doing a wonderful job. So all props to them. I think they've taken no innovation, right? Bubbles in a can and turned it into something where we have done an incredible job innovating a product that's incredibly unique. And we don't want to just be for certain people. We're not just for vegans. We're not just for people who are gluten-free. We're not just for healthy people. We're for everyone. But being for everyone is a very dangerous brand position. Mm -hmm. so that's why I just say kind of, I make sure the brand is ageless. If you read our copy, if you look at our packaging, it's universally liked. That's our test. Does, does my mom think it looks good? Does my kid think it looks good? <laughs> does our copy make everyone smile? We're really trying to be a crowd pleaser. And so timeless is what a brand is like a Coca-Cola. 
when you're around forever. Iconic. That's around forever. We're, we'd like we strive to get to those we'd places. We'd love to go from ageless to timeless. And uh, yes, mm -hmm. but I think ageless as a brand is is kind of it. If you know how to read English, the the box is appropriate for all ages, and that's kind of our filter. Um, and yeah, I think ageless is is kind of what we're trying to do. It's that that is amazing. I mean, that is the ultimate brand fight you're fighting. <laughs> it's like we are in a category that is completely broad and we're catering to everyone. Our audience is specifically defined as everyone who eats, right? Um with, with I mean scary as hell, you know, to 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 a brand marketer usually. But I love how you how you totally took this on and you're actually thriving in that. And and you say, no, this is this is what is exciting about about the positioning. Right. And the positioning though of agelessness is not our go-to-market strategy. So we're incredibly focused on knowing where to build the brand, who are the first movers, the early adopters. Mm -hmm. So we're not going. We know for, who we over-index with. Yes, we're not going for everyone right now. But the brand is going for everyone. The brand will eventually get to everyone. But that is our north star. Ultimately, that's what gets me really excited. I love the universal products. I love the pantry. I love, you know, like grocery stores are not in, are not age gated. Everyone goes to the grocery <laughs> store. People in walkers and babies in the in the grocery cart. And it's very important to me to make a brand like a Heinz tomato ketchup, all these things that are just mm -hmm. truly enjoyed through all ages. We've always aspired to be kind of like yellow box Cheerios, which which is just a very broad- it's the first food you eat and the last food you eat. Yeah, probably. pretty much. I mean, every, mom, every, mom, <laughs> yeah. every mom feels really good about putting Cheerios in a little Ziploc bag as a soft, easy, dissolvable snack for their kids. And then if you're older and you're trying to be healthy for, I mean, until we came around, I, you know, that was a very easy choice because it's not loaded with sugar. So um, we, those are the kind of brands we we try to be. I love it's the first food you'll eat and the last food you'll eat. That's like that's like more the liquid death direction of advertising. It's so true. I never thought about that with cereal, right? It comes around. Um, f fascinating. What what does branding mean to you? Um, you? You know, I mean, you've you've been in the branding slash advertising industry for a long time. You 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 say you're a serial entrepreneur, right? Not a serial, even though with my Austrian accent, that could <laughs> that could that could turn into a pun. Um, what 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 have you learned, and what do you think branding really is to you? Hmm. It hasn't changed, so I don't know how like. It's just reinforced the importance to me. And I think also the the thing that I found most interesting about branding is <laughs> to stand the test of time, right? I think so much of when people, when I talk to people or I talk to clients and they send me logos or brands or iconic marks they like, a lot of them aren't great. They've just mm -hmm. been around forever. Mm -hmm. And if you've been around forever, you your brain can't delineate between it's actually a good mark or it's just it's so familiar you know it and it's safe and you've been exposed to it, it for so many times it feels good so i would say the actual key i put it back onto the operations putting it into margaret's court margaret is the reason the brand will exist and last because your ability to actually run the business day to day the ability to operate the ability to make sure the product's great i mean i can't even tell you how many times i have these like great campaigns not for our product but for other brands and the product doesn't hold up to it and as a famous ad guy once said the fastest way to kill a bad product is good advertising <laughs> so a huge real win for us has been the proof is the in product. is in the product the product really tastes great we're not pulling the wool over people's eyes we're not trying to get them to buy it once i'll give you a fun analogy 
as you know, in the marketing world, I have a mix of projects and I have a mix of retainer clients. And you obviously love the retainers because you could sleep at night. It pays for our salaries and our employees' salaries. But at the same time, uh, you, the projects are usually more profitable, but you, you want to have a mix of both. And I really looked at this going out and going, I want to get a small retainer from everyone in the world. If everyone could spend whatever, you know, five, six bucks on a box of cereal every couple of weeks and give me that retainer business, I'm going to have an amazing business. And that's kind of how I always thought mm -hmm. about it. I, have I call to... repeat, right? Yeah, repeat. In retail, we call it repeat. So for yeah. us, it was the project's like, I'm on sale. Will you try it for the first time? And then that repeat when you're buying it for the rest of your life, that's what we want, right? So those millions of little retainers um, is, is actually precisely. I, 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 lo I love that. That, 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 that the terminology that crosses over into the advertising world of, of a retainer, a serial retainer. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. we could all get it. We could all get. We, everyone will everyone try a project. Everyone could get a project, but yeah. you want to get them coming back. Yeah, absolutely. What's What's next for for the Three Wishes brand? I know a whole lot. It sounds like it. What What are you excited about in the next uh, in the next six months? Well, cereal is a really big category, right? So there's a lot of work for us to to do here to become you know a leading cereal brand and really to become a household brand which is what we're working really hard um to, to accomplish but the thing that's wonderful about the name and how we position the brand is we can allow it to be a platform um we didn't come out and create you know chickpea o's happy o's it was let's create three wishes and you fall in love with our cereal and you hopefully trust every other product and innovation we can continue to to create and to put out there in the world but right now the the laser focus is definitely serial. And how can people follow you personally or get to know the Three Wishes brand? Yeah, so you could follow Three Wishes on, on Instagram and all of these other social media platforms. We're at Three Wishes. And then personally, we're MB Wish and I see Wish. <laughs> <laughs> how perfectly branded of a family and a, and a, and a serial brand. This is awesome. Yeah. Listen, um, thank you. Thank you both. Um, really, that, that both of you actually took time away from, from the business um that is that that is really really tremendous um we appreciate those last 40 or so minutes of you sharing sharing all your all your insights from from the marketing the brand the advertising the product uh, perspective uh really really appreciate your time thank you this has been really fun thanks for having us margaret and ian wishing grad of three wishes what an exciting brand journey I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have the conversation. And if so, please do subscribe, rate, and share the show. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy, Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time, when we once again will be hitting the mark.